All right. Well, welcome to the show. Diane, like Rolls Royce, Royce. I love that you have that little ramming rule when people are on your show. That's great. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Ram Janakovo. That is a that is a tough one. That is going to take more than being on the spot. <laughs> I'll get my team working on it. <laughs> yeah, that's um, we're gonna have to dig deep into uh, this the like seventh dimension of Mother Goose there. I think for uh, for rhyming that one. But uh, but anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, I love this topic that we're gonna dig into today about franchising. Um, and really, I hope anybody listening and watching today can can really uh, leave with, you know, two things. One, being open to opportunity, whether that's opportunity in your career, opportunity in a new business venture, whether that's a franchise or not. Uh, I think Diane's going to give you a lot of great things to consider about what a new uh, a new page in your book of life could look like. Right, because that's—I was looking at your website, and and you know, you you specifically call out people that you work with that you find that perfect fit uh, for a franchise opportunity. And it seems it's people that have uh, um, reached a point in their career, whether that's voluntarily moving on or involuntarily being made to move on, let go, downsize, whatever. Seems like that's where you really kind of step in and, and help people find a new opportunity. So. Uh, welcome to the show, and uh, let's talk about those instances where you help people find that fit. Sure. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. You're welcome. As you were talking, I was thinking of several people that I've worked with, so if you'll allow me, I probably would like to tell a couple of success stories. Yeah. A man that I recently worked with was a business development person, uh, good company, one of the best in the industry, had been there a while, very good job, but had an entrepreneurial itch. He had had a business and after a few years had sold it to his partner and was looking for something else and came to me and wanted that ownership, wanted some of that freedom, that flexibility, had four kids, potentially involve them in the business, potentially leave a legacy. Anyway, we looked at service-based businesses and ones that he could hire a manager because he wanted ideally to have a franchise as a bridge out of corporate America. So he was going to keep his job, hire a manager to run the franchise and get it to a point then that he could segue out. So we looked at a variety of options and I give him a lot of credit in that he was very open-minded. And we ended up looking at a business that could be used for residential or commercial. And it's in an industry that most people would shy away from that doesn't, when you mention the industry, you would think, oh, that's not a um, sexy, exciting, high profile, glamorous industry. It happened to be roofing. Mm, okay. <laughs> Actually, he said, roofing, you know, that's kind of crazy. And I said, it is true, but there are franchises in that space that have taken the reputation and they are escalating it. And they have the technology, they use the, the drones, they have 
a, a whole host of things that set them apart, that make them professional so that you can be the leader, you can be that uh, preferred partner, and there's a lot of opportunity. And he started digging into it, really wasn't certain about it, but decided to, to look at it and had a call and was intrigued and another call and another call and another call until um, he said, you know what, I, I like this business. And interestingly, he knew some people in it who were looking to make a move and was able to hire some experienced people, went to what's called a discovery day, also known as a meet the team day, where you meet the founders eye to eye, uh, break bread with them, so to speak, get to meet the whole team and said, yes, this could be that bridge out of corporate America that I'm looking for. And one of the things that I thought was so interesting because he was proactive, he was looking ahead and he said, you know what, my job now seems better because I, I'm in a better state of mind and things were just falling in, into place. Um, that's so that's fantastic um it, you know really interesting because uh i understand roofing i did that as a young man right out of high school uh but i have friends actually uh james emerson and his wife savannah emerson uh james was on the podcast i think maybe in the early episodes maybe up through episode 10 somewhere in that range um runs a fantastic roofing business in wisconsin renew roofing um and boy, you know, you, you touched on something that I think, let, let's maybe peel back this layer of the conversation onion of like, set aside ego and prestige. For me, I want to get paid. Now, I want it to be something I enjoy, but I'm really kind of indifferent to if it's prestigious or not, because James and his wife, Savannah, they got all the toys, all the freedom all the family time, the things that really matter for them, fam their family time is big. Uh, they got all that in abundance. And roofing is just a mechanism. You know, one of the businesses I have, retail mattress store, it's just a mechanism to do a lot of fun marketing stuff around a commodity item. And roofing, you, you know, you could probably agree is a commodity purchase at some points, right? Well, I think some of the things that they've done have enhanced, so they're taking it out of that yeah. commodity yep. with spe their special sauce or secret sauce, if you will. But when you talked about what your friends are doing and why they have that business, really a franchise or a business should be a means to an end. And what is that end that you want to get to? Is it family time? Is it to be able to travel? Is it to be able to leave a leg legacy? Certainly you want to do it for financial reasons as well. That's foundational. But what else do you want? So the person I just described, as I mentioned, had four kids. He coached them in sports, an active family. Um, he wanted he wanted to be able to have that and be able to do more things. He traveled many times during the week. He was gone. So he was looking for a much better lifestyle and a business yeah. can offer that. Yeah. You, you, know, you touched on something else too that I, I really want to point out. So this gentleman had a career in corporate America, knew long-term, I want to be around my kids, had very clear goals around family and financial freedom. Um, but you said something interesting. 
he wanted an opportunity that he could own but not run. And I think that's a real, let's dig into that because there's a lot of franchises that are owner run. There's a lot that are not manager run. Uh, and there might be a couple other descriptors. So what I want people listening to take away is don't, don't turn off because we're talking about franchise. And I'm going to share after we get through this little part of the conversation, my thoughts on franchising, um, my appetite for it as a franchisor. But um, let's dig into those opportunities. And I think your, your client was really smart because he realized immediately, I want a business that I can always have a manager run. I call that the Chivo effect, chief everything officer. And you can't do that if you're going to, as I say, move into that investor seat in your own business. You can't be turning the wrenches, swinging the hammers, literally in this case. Uh, you, you just, you're never going to scale yourself. You're never going to get and an unlock that freedom. Whatever freedom is defined by you is, you'll never unlock it if you're always in it. So that that was uh, something I really wanted to dig into. So share share with everybody those types of opportunities that are out there. So owner-run, manager-run, et cetera. Sure. So what I described was manager-run, and that does not apply to every franchise. That's a really kind of a special category, and the franchise company really needs to have the infrastructure behind it. And when you're investing in a business, you want to make sure that that model has proven out as well. Most people are familiar with what we would call an owner-operator, and that's where you invest in the business and you're the primary person. You might start just with yourself, or you might start with one or two employees or technicians and grow and scale the business from there. There are also businesses that we call an executive model where you're running the business, you're starting with employees, you're not the person swinging that hammer or that wrench as you just referred, but you're managing the business, you're involved in the day-to-day, you're working it full time. And of course, then there are a few opportunities that are more investor with limited hours Uh, Sometimes that's a little bit more of a real estate play. That's a good portion of that. Uh, So there are quite a range of business options from investment amounts, investment levels, to the time commitment, to the industry or category. So what I try to do is, first of all, learn about the person. What are their skills, their goals? What is that why that is driving them? Because if they don't have a why of, of why they want to do it, they're not going to make a change. So they have to have that reason for wanting to do something. And then I will look for companies that I think would be a good match for them and introduce several where they that are available in their area so they can learn about them, compare and contrast. And then uh, we'll... This is a a process of elimination. So usually after a couple of weeks, they'll put one of the businesses aside so they can focus on the others and continue that investigation. Yeah. So I think a lot of business owners, you know, they they kind of start out in that owner-run business, right? right? Whether you're a franchisee or not, that's where you begin. Um, I often, you know, anecdotally say, you know, somebody's really great at baking muffins. They got a special muffin recipe. They can expand the diameter of the muffin top, the concentration of the goodies in the muffin top. And somebody's like, hey, you're really good at this. You should open a business. So they do. And then proverbially, six months later, 
doors close. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to there, there's a lot of things that go behind that, right. why a business fails in that anecdotal scenario, but that why is really important. You know, in, in my anecdotal example, the why is your friends just said you should and you kind of were rudderless. So you're like, okay, I'll move over there and do it. Sure. Talk about talk about how you've helped people figure out or get to if this opportunity fits their why. And maybe you've had people come that don't have that question answered. Sure. Well, the scenario you just described would be similar to what Michael Gerber wrote about in the E Myth mm-hmm. with a person who made pies and was this fabulous pie maker, but really went on to become the technician. And what you want to look at is what skills do you have that you can leverage? So let me give an example of an owner operator business model run very successfully by someone who had no experience. So this goes back quite a few years ago. A woman had been referred to me. She was in the middle of a divorce. She had two kids. She was a parochial school part-time music teacher. (laughs) She said, I'm not going to be able to raise my two sons on a part-time parochial school music salary. So I need some help. And this is my opportunity. And I don't have any business experience. But the woman had a big why. She had an outgoing personality. She had a willingness to learn and to do and a zest. And she was going to be successful. So initially, because of her background, she wanted to start off in education. So initially, we looked at some education franchises and some children's enrichment franchises. And those are all fine. And I said, let's look at this other home services franchise. It's a window coverings business. And she goes, you know, like, no, no, no. I know nothing about window coverings. I can't imagine that I could do any type of installation. And I said, this is a very strong brand. It's a very big brand. They have all the systems, the infrastructure. Actually, I think you would be very good because you relate well with people. You you connect with them. Um, you would give recommendations that would be appropriate. And again, the franchise model had a good, better, best option. They had private label, they had the big name brands. So she went ahead and she invested in that window coverings franchise, having no experience in it. And she did extremely well. She went on to buy a second territory and a third territory. And this is a big franchise, over a thousand territories awarded. Last year, I think she was in the top 50 Uh, During the course of her tenure, uh, she met someone, she got remarried. One of the vendors had a trip to Paris, I think it was. That was their honeymoon. Um, Her kids are in, in college and doing well. So here we have a person who, have they gone back to the corporate world, not to diss that, but... I think it would have taken her a very long time to get the earning potential that she now had or yeah. certainly the freedom or flexibility. And she is a very hard worker, um, but she controls her schedule of when she makes appointments. She could, she could still go to her kids' games. She loves being involved in the community. Um, she's hired quite a nice staff. It's, to me, the American success story. Yeah. Did she ever have to install the window treatments or was was that uh, pretty quickly she had teams doing that? She had people doing that. Again, the franchise yeah. company will teach you how to do it. 
but her for her the use of her time was much better spent talking to people and figuring out should we do shutters should we do blinds what else should we do rather yeah. than being that technician so yes right. technically she probably could but she very quickly hired people to do that yeah yeah great great success story i mean from being questioning, like I could never do this, to being in the top 5% of a thousand network or thousand location franchise opportunity is uh, is pretty wild. Um, and if I might, Jeff, just another yeah. crazy, crazy example, because again, people never really think of many types of franchises. So a few years ago, I worked with a man who worked for a major company, famous three-letter initials that everyone knows, Big Blue, and was well-paid, but was managing teams around the world, had meetings at all times of the day and the night. Uh, there had been a number of downsizings. In fact, he had kept track, and at one time he told me, I've survived 10 or, or 17 downsizings, I think it was. Oh, wow. And he was still there, but the stress was building. He had three kids and wanted to do something more. And we worked together and we didn't come up with something and took a little break. And then he quit his job, which was very hard to do. And I think once he quit his job, then he was more open for opportunity and called me back up and said, okay, let's, let's chat again. So we did. And I presented a company that does dumpsters and they have porta potties attached. So here you have this basically white collar, <laughs> high tech exec who is now, he loves driving the truck. He is driving the truck, delivering dumpsters with attached porta potties, and he loves it. He's involved in the community. He proudly calls me periodically when he's got a few minutes on his truck and he tells me where he's delivering them or who it's for and called me just a week or two ago saying that he had ordered another truck and more dumpsters and he has a couple of employees and told me that he's going to be hiring more when his additional truck and dumpsters come in the spring. So if I knew of anyone to, to keep him in mind, planning a couple months out and he couldn't be happier. And He's happy That's because incredible. he's he's controlling it. He did not want anything involved with sales, but he enjoys talking with people. He's the type of person to roll up your sleeves. The last time I talked to him was the end of the day on Friday, and I was returning his call. And he said, yeah, you know, my employees had gone home and I had someone who called. They referred to me. They they needed a dumpster. And could I help them out? They were under the gun. They're in a hurry. And he said, sure, I can I can bring it out to you in an hour. And they were just blown away. And he loves giving that kind of customer service. He loves making that impact. And he knows he can't do that all the time, but he's building the infrastructure and growing the business. And and that's just something that he personally finds fulfilling and rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Well, really, he's kind of uh, at the tail end of the Amway model, right? The Amway model is if it goes down the drain or down the throat, we want to sell it. And um, he's, he's at the, he's at the trick. Yeah, he's at the trailing end of that, um, figuratively with the dumpsters and literally with the porta potties. Um, I've got a, a plumber friend of mine. He's, his tagline is, "I'm going to butcher it now because it's right off the top of my head." But it's, "We're, we're, 
in the business of number one, some, number one and number two is the tagline. I got to look at it. I totally butchered it. I'm embarrassed now. But anyway, there's a lot of puns there that I'll just stop and we'll move on. But man, what like, like the joy from your client resonates, radiates from him through you. And if you're listening to this on the podcast player, you should tune in because we do record these live. Um, I guess this is about as commercial as I get for the show. We do record these live. It goes out simultaneous every Tuesday at noon on Facebook. That's East Coast time. Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Uh, but boy, you could see the joy from Diane's client coming right through the screen from and her to you. And, yeah. And what's nice, when I talked to him this last time, his wife is in education and she's going to finish out the school year. And I hope I'm not revealing any secret plans here. But you know, the, the goal is that she will become part of that business as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And they get to they get to do life together on their terms. Um, and, right. and, you know, the dumpsters and the porta potties are, are the catalyst to happiness, which well, should really just be the primary goal of business, right? It is. And there's not a lot of competition. He's building a good reputation. He's known in the community. He has good product and services. Um, he's, he's fulfilling a need and offering it through his business and the franchise is there helping along the way. So many times we just, we, someone have blinders on and we think fast food because that's what we're most familiar with. And that's natural yeah. because McDonald's has been around 50 plus years, but there's more than French fries and fast food. But that's immediately where our mind goes. And, and most people go, gee, fast food, too expensive. Hours are brutal. Too many employees. You know, I'm going to be working 24-7. So are there other options? So that's where, again, I first learn about the person and what they want and then come back and present some other options. And most of the time they go, whoa, <laughs> who knew there were so many options out there? And so I... I challenge them, do they have an open mind? Can they keep that open mind? Can they look at things like plumbing or HVAC or gutter cleaning or pool care, pet care, um, senior care? There's just a whole host of different options. Yeah. 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 I mean, all of those you, you, um, you named off have such an immense demand in our society because for so long, you know, from the educational perspective, uh, educationally, we we steered young adults towards careers that weren't right. that. Right. You know, so now there's such an influx of demand. And your friend with the porta potties, you know, I said about the catalyst to happiness. You know, I I've done a lot of youth sports, coached youth sports. While I still have right. a boy in in as a freshman in high school, so we're still involved in that. Be a young parent with a child that needs to go to the bathroom. <laughs> at an outdoor event and not have a toilet. And those organizations that put on those events, man, if they can have somebody reliable, right. you you have locked in a customer for life. Reliable, clean, timely. It's not hard. And, 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 Jeff, and if he's found happiness in that, fantastic. Yeah. And what's interesting, we've become a society of do it for us. 
So certainly there are do-it-yourselfers out there, but many times, particularly as we get older, we're less inclined to saying, I, you know, yes, I want to paint my house or yes, I want to do these things. Maybe I could, but I would just as soon hire it out. I don't necessarily want to pull up the YouTube video, go to the hardware store, figure out what I need, come back, find out I bought something wrong, go back, return it, try it again. I will just as soon call that handyman, that painter, whoever, to provide that service and do it professionally. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so franchises, so I'll share right now. So my... My view on being a franchisor from a business owner perspective is I personally would never be a franchisor simply because it takes a lot of setup uh, to do it the right way. You have to do it the right way. You land in legal trouble. And for me, uh, the IRS is is all the federal alphabet agency I need in my life. I, and, and franchises have another one, right? It's 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 a combination of SEC and FTC, correct? That well, oversee. Um, yes, and there's a legal document, the franchise disclosure document, known as the yep. FDD, another three letter term. Okay. Yes. Yep. So for me personally, it's just like my happiness in life is being. I don't want to say I'm reckless, but like off the leash. Like don't constrain me. I am better. Right. When I'm free and I understand that, so I just don't do things um, that constrain me in that way. Now, that said, all that I just said, I'm on an advisory board for an up-and-coming golf franchise opportunity. But I was very clear. I said, if you were going to need me to sit in on those kinds of meetings, I'm out. I can't. I won't do it. I don't have, I don't have the mental capacity or the will to, to do it. So... If there's other people that can handle that, fantastic. And there is. Uh, but I'm very excited about what that holds because that's all, it's very cool. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And, and so people are you, looking what, for entertainment options. Go yes, ahead. And what you just mentioned is a very good point because franchising is not right for everyone. And when I think of you, I think of someone who's maybe a renaissance person who's had a variety of businesses, has the big idea, is comfortable executing, turning on a dime, creative, can do a lot of things. Yep. So those people probably, as you indicated, would be constrained or feel potentially limited in a franchise. For other people, they look at it and for the people who's right, they look and they say, I don't have the big idea but man, give me that toolbox. I'm great at executing. Give me all of that in place. Give me the marketing plan. Help me with employees, the website, all that infrastructure, and let me go, and I can run it and run it well, and that suits me perfectly. And the reason I would like it is because you've gone ahead, you've invested the money, you tell me what mistakes to avoid, and I'm probably still going to make a few, but they're not going to be major so that's one of the advantages of a franchise is I like to say it gets you down the road further and faster. Plus, yep. when it comes time to sell your business, many times a business is going to sell at a higher multiple if it's a franchise with all the training, the branding that goes with it than, than Diane's home repair. Right, um, so right. Again, looking ahead and you're building a business either uh, to sell or to hand down. And so let's get you the maximum return that we can as well. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, 100% right. And I think the, the turn in our conversation now is about those systems. So while, yeah, you, you're 100% spot on, and I want to dig into your assessment of Renaissance Man, because I kind of, that, that is how I fancy myself, right? Um, so I want to get, I want to dig into the tools you use to find that match as a, I'm going to coin as a matchmaker. I, I hope you're okay with that phrase, but you know, you find that fit, you, you, you're, uh, you find that perfect fit, but um, the systems are, so we'll talk about the systems and then we'll talk about your skills to assess. Cause I, you've got something special there. I can tell, but you hit it on the head, every business, no matter if it's this, you know, marketing genius, if it's this Renaissance person, that's the pure definition of the term, they need a team behind them. I have teams behind me. I am right. unsuccessful without the people around me and with me. And, mm -hmm. um, and I have system, you know, those systems go in place, but you hit the nail on the head. You need to have the marketing system, the fulfillment system, right. the sales system, the HR system. Um, right. And I'm sure at certain Fine levels, power. All, yep, that's another one. Uh, at certain levels, all of those dump in, um, Maybe maybe on the HR side of things for more of that owner starting out on your own. Uh, maybe that's more of a uh, cooperative thing with the head office. But talk about talk about the systems, and I think let's pick up on the cooperative thing. Okay, so when you talk about the cooperative thing, let me mention that one aspect of franchising that people usually aren't familiar with is the community that they are invited mm -hmm. into. So when you're an independent business owner, you're pretty much figuring out everything by yourself. You may have some comrades, some friends, but it's pretty much trial and error. Are you getting the best pricing? Whatever the case is, are you keeping up with your digital marketing? With a franchise, you not only have the parent company who will train and support you, they're like the parent, and you're like that young child, and, and they want nothing more than to teach you everything that they've learned so that you can be this great success. But right. you have your fellow franchisees, your other franchise owners, which are kind of like your brothers and sisters. And many times you're going to call them and say, yeah, you know, corporate has this conference call. They introduced this new product and I was listening, but maybe not listening as much as I should have. Or I didn't take notes and I've got this question and I know I could call corporate and they could answer. But, you know, fill me in. Tell me what, you know, tell me about it. So you can call them. You can share your successes. They understand when you make screw ups. They're your comrades. So that's. It, it's really a community, and, and many times franchisees, when they have a national convention, they'll fly out early and vacation with another family or two, or they'll stay later, and there's this understanding that, that, that just comes, everyone still has their own business, but there's that camaraderie that is very, yep. very special. I, again, not everyone needs that. Uh, one time, I, I like to, whenever possible, meet franchisees of companies that we work with. And I called up one company and found a, a franchisee in my area. And I went out to visit him. He had a location-based business. And he was a CPA running a great business. 
And I was asking him about the training and support. And he said, yes, corporate calls me. I think once a month, whatever it was. He said, corporate calls me. I tell him everything's fine. I'm good. Give the rest of my time to someone else who, who's struggling. <laughs> so he was confident in what he was doing, but he knew that not everyone is and someone might need extra help. Um, right, right. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the network, you know, that network effect. Right. Now, yeah. You know, you don't necessarily need to be in a franchise to get that, but you are going to pay for a quality network. I'm invested well, in th- uh, three of them at present. Um, so while I'm not a franchisee of anything, I do have a pretty deep network. But you I'm recognize the importance that. of it. Yeah, yeah, I am paying for that. So, so yeah, it's 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 you invest in that through your franchise fees and dues, etc. Uh, yeah. But um, it, you have a great network of everybody that's yeah. fighting that battle, doing business the way you are, which is which is a, an advantage. There is a, there is right. there is great scale in that relationship. There, at the end of the day, there has to be value. So no one likes paying fees, and in a franchise, you do pay a royalty, mm-hmm. and yet there has to be value for that, or you shouldn't do it. So most yeah. of the time, people look at it and they say, "Yeah." You know, I'm a top franchisee, I'm paying a lot of money, but look at what I'm getting in return. Usually they'll look at it and they say, I could never have achieved what I've achieved without that franchisor because they've provided all of that infrastructure. Maybe they developed a new program, maybe they have a spokesperson, maybe they have this fabulous digital marketing platform that they are keeping up that I couldn't keep up with. And I would have to hire a dedicated person. And what would that look like? And how would I find that person? I don't know anything about that. So they look at it. And when they see value, they go, yeah, there's a lot here. And that's, again, why people renew with a franchise. Um, Again, I I worked with a a woman local to where I am who was in the President's Club and, and won trips and renewed her franchise. And I was quizzing her about the renewal and her fees and and it was a little bit of heavy sign. She said, yes, I spend a lot, but I get a lot in return. And she was in a senior care franchise. And she said they developed this whole Alzheimer's program. They got a spokesperson. She said, how could I ever do that? But I'm I'm the right. beneficiary of it. So I understand. And I think sometimes yeah. that's what people forget. Or they look at it and they say, I've got this buying power. And everyone else is buying at this rate. But because we're big and we've negotiated, we're buying at this rate. And that could be product. It, it, it could be uniforms, whatever. But there are yep. those benefits that are pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, uh, so I do some of my income uh, comes from licensing, which is okay. the cousin to franchising, I guess sure. we could say. Right? Sure. Um, yes. one, Business one opportunity. Yeah, one of those things. So I license my books and buying guides in the mattress space to other retailers, uh, which I think is an opportunity for a lot of business owners that have a quality marketing piece. If you're so inclined, it's also that it is it is becoming a found that is a foundational step on the way to being a franchisor is having that's a first mark one of the first markers is is your marketing scalable, repeatable? Could you dump it from? Lancaster, Pennsylvania to Lancaster, California and have it work, right? Right. right. So we we license those materials. One of the things when you talk about scale, you said your your friend 
you know, side because she had to write that bigger renewal check, but had that new Alzheimer's opportunity. Earlier this year, my business partner and I stroked a six-figure check on an infomercial. Uh, but we were able to do that because of the licensing network that we have. And as we figure out, and we have to figure it out, mm-hmm. we, not us, uh, as we figure that out, I can then dump that marketing into the licensing organization and have an additional level. So, sure. And this is where leverage points, you know, come into play in business. Um, and you can, you can uncover leverage and have it work for you as a franchisee uh, and, and, and make money back uh, that way. Or you could do it the way I just explained, which is a harder way to do it, but that's just kind of my ethos. Uh, right. that's, that's who well, I am and the appetite yeah. I have. Right. And what's interesting there is, again, when you look at, at perspective and opportunities, people will invest in a franchise, they'll invest in real estate, maybe they've written a book or whatever. So they are looking at potentially multiple revenue streams. One thing that's, that's very interesting that we're seeing now in franchising is that some people are coming in and they are looking at multiple opportunities. So they are the multiple brand, multiple unit franchisee. So they will start with one brand, grow it to several units or territories, and then bolt on or add on another franchise. And what's interesting about that is sometimes they'll look at it and they'll say, okay, Jeff is my customer. We've we know him because we we have a plumbing franchise and we service his house or we helped him with dog training or we cleaned his right. pool or whatever the case is and we've got a good relationship. We're going to continue adding on franchises because we have customers that know, like, and trust us and continue yeah. to need more services. So that's something that's has been around, but we are seeing much more in the forefront, which is quite interesting for the really the big picture players. Yeah, well, I think the trend exists there uh, because the cost of customer acquisition, in my view, is is as high as it's ever been. You know, it used to be if you go back, you know, in, in my in the in the retail mattress business as an example, and I use that a lot because it's the thing I have the most control over, the most input over. Uh, anything I test, I can I can tell you numbers and data and results, good or bad. Otherwise, uh, whereas everything else I do, it's you know working for others, with others, and there's a lot of whisper down the line subjectivity that happens. But it used to be if you had that A location, yeah, that was that was the hammer that really you know hit the nail in. There were other things, but that was that was the deal. Now it's location, it's a mix of media to support the older demographic. It's the media to support the younger demographic. You know, it's tying into media in a way that uh, your market absorbs it and connects to it. Like my boy, just before I came in the podcast studio here to do this episode, was showing me something silly in his area uh, or in his age group, you know, 18, 19 year olds. And people are making money off of this whole meme concept around meme currency, not crypto, but just like meme currency. And I don't even quite understand it, but it's happening. And so the point being is customers are so fragmented 
and right. to get to them becomes fragmented. Like you have Instagram. Uh, are you on TikTok yet? You know? No, I'm not. I've chosen right. not to. <laughs> right. Yeah, me too. Like, like I just don't need, and, and that's an act of choice and you decide to miss out, but it's all a payoff, right? Um, but I think businesses that are doing what you're doing, so like as you said, they might do pet training, they might have pool cleaning, they might do HVAC. The commonality is they got a customer that knows, likes, and trusts them, but they have a house. Right. So they bolt on that gutter cleaning. And, and now, yeah, so what? It's a franchise. That acquisition cost is, is really nothing. The only thing they probably legally should do uh, is, um, is make sure that the data is properly managed. Like you're doing business with XYZ Corp and now XYZ Corp has this franchise. And the, like that's technically probably the only thing you should worry about if you're listening to this because you might take this idea and say, well, I've got, I've got a home furnishings business. I could do other things. Or I, you know, I've got this business. I'm not a franchise, but I could go out and get those customers. Well, if you're going to start sharing data in amongst companies, just make sure you're checking the boxes on, you know, proper ownership and sharing, because in this day and age, that can get you in, in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, I have to share, if I might, I have to share yeah. a story that's a little embarrassing. So I worked with someone local to where I am, and they bought a franchise location based in the city next to me. And I was watching for their grand opening, and it's getting closer, and it's getting closer, and I'm not seeing any advertising. I'm not seeing any marketing. And I am getting nervous. So I called up the franchise company and I go, I know they're going to be opening soon. I haven't seen anything. I've been looking. I've been watching. I've been listening. <laughs> Where's all your advertising and marketing? And they said, now, Diane, just settle down. They said, now, what is the, the primary age group of the market? And I said, women 25 to 49. And they said, so are you in that age group? And I said, no. <laughs> and they said, now, how far do you live from this location? Is it more than 10 miles? And I said, yes. And they said, um, sorry to tell you, but that's why you probably haven't seen any of the marketing. We are laser focused. We know exactly who our target is. Mm -hmm. They opened with one of the best openings in, in the franchise and enormously successful. But I was in their target market. And right. they exactly who it was so again yeah. sometimes the sophistication that some of the franchise companies bring to this people are blown away with the yep. the infrastructure that they have because they've been able to zero in and they can continue to tweak and they continue to learn so they have one opening on the east coast they have another opening in the midwest an opening on the west coast and each time they're looking at it and how can we tweak how can we improve it and, and they, they continue to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a lesson, you know, right there um, in, in knowing who your customer is. Right. You know, if you go back to the E-Myth story, you know, everybody that eats pie. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess, maybe, but not really. You yeah. know, um, you know, everybody that can sleep isn't my customer in that retail business I have ownership in. It's not, right. you know. That's not the case at all. In fact, our marketing is the opposite of that. Um, so that's a very important lesson right there. So I said I wanted to hear, so you're, you find this perfect fit. So what's in your toolbox to, to align franchise opportunity and 
somebody else um, uh, looking looking to own a franchise. And this this is your this is like crass self promotion here, if you will, <laughs> um, because it's a very interesting dynamic that you bring together. Because franchisors they want repeatable, scalable success. It's actually legally they got to be compliant in that statement, right? Yes. But yet the human element of things comes into play. So walk us through what your day is like. Sure. Well, I very much enjoy talking with people and learning about them and their background and what they want to accomplish. So I like to ask the harder questions. I ask people not to give me any what I call cocktail party answers. And sometimes that requires asking the question and then asking it again and asking it again in another way. There was one time I was talking to a man and I said, no cocktail party answers, please. And we're in the conversation and he said, okay. He said, this is the real answer. He said, now, if, if you're interviewing me, I would say this. But since we're talking about me and this is my business, this is the reality. This is where I excel. This is where I struggle. So I want to learn about the person. Do they want to work with a spouse? How many hours can they put into the business? What Do they want to start with the business, grow it, and, and flip it? Do they want to leave it as a legacy? Do they want to have one location or territory or unit and be able to coach their kids in Little League and make more money than they had before and be happy? Do they want to continue to grow it to 100 units? What do they want to do? There's all kinds of options. And, and I don't come to the table thinking, okay, I'm going to recommend this. I come to the table hopefully with an open mind, because I challenge them to have an open mind. So likewise, I have to have an open mind. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So are you using any kind of, um, and not that I subscribe to this, but like disc personality profiles, you doing any kind of like tactical tools like that? Or? We don't. Many times people will tell me where they are or where they are in the Myers-Briggs, and I'm familiar with all of that, and that's yep. that's helpful. It's really more conversation and dialogue, and yeah. hopefully knowing the questions to ask, um, allowing people to let barriers down and explore. And again, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm going to recommend several options. And one time, for example, I worked with a woman who was older and had been downsized, and it was down to two companies, and she liked both of them a lot, and it was somewhat of a toss-up. And she said, Diane, if I was younger, I would go with this business. It's a little newer, emerging. I love it. I think it has great potential, a lot of fun. But because I'm older, I'm going to go with this other business. It's a little bigger. It's a little more staid. I just feel safer and more comfortable. So those are decisions that people are making. And hopefully I'm learning about them so that I can recommend companies that would energize them, that they will feel comfortable in, that they can be successful and happy in. Because at the end of the day, that's what most people want. They want that control. They want to be able to spend some time with family. They want to have a business that they can then sell or leave yeah. to family. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, so people looking to get started in the franchise world, um, 
obviously the financing side of things comes into play. Sure. So, uh, what are some what are some things if if somebody's thinking about and really again this is not just solely about franchising right because right we my my show goes out to a larger audience but yeah. it's still appropriate if you're thinking of doing a business you're thinking of expanding your business what you're about to hear probably makes sense to hear anyway but so what are the franchisors looking for uh, in regards to securing financing being well financed etc. Sure. Well, think in terms of a house. A house is an investment, and most of the time, people don't write out a very large check and pay for the whole thing. Occasionally, that happens. Likewise, with a business, most of the time, people will take out a loan and finance the balance. They'll put a certain amount down, if you will, and they will finance the balance. So that could be through an SBA loan. And this past year, more businesses have opened and more applications have been made at the SBA than at any other time. And the Small Business Association chuckles a little bit because they say the S and SBA not only stands for small, but right now it also stands for slow because they have so many applications. So recognize that it takes a while to get funded. Um, people will also look at using retirement funds, which they can roll into their own business. So instead of buying stock in a company, they will buy stock in their own company. And there is no penalty for that. There are some tax advantages. It's not something that you can do on your own. There are companies that specialize in that. People like that because it's equity funding rather than debt funding. And so yeah, if you have that opportunity- they will, they will look at that. It's not for everyone, but I recommend people get educated. And again, when people go through our process and at the end, there's something called validation where you're talking to existing franchisees. And I encourage them to ask people how they funded their business, not saying that what Joe or Bob or Sue did was right, but those are data points you're learning. And I've had people who said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do an SBA loan. And then they talk to other people, for example, that have done the rollover and they come back and said, you know, maybe I jumped the gun here a little bit. Maybe I should at least learn about it. And I go, smart decision, learn about it. Then you can make that decision. Uh, People will also look at using a home equity line of credit as an option as well, if they have that available to them. Um, Yep. Yeah, very smart. Yeah, that rollover thing, I wasn't aware of that one. That's um, interesting. That is, it is is very interesting. I should also mention that veterans, um, first of all, franchise companies love veterans because they usually have management skills. They are used Mm -hmm. to following procedures and systems and organization. They run very good businesses. And because of that, franchise companies, many of them will offer them a discount off the franchise fee, the one-time fee. That could be either a percentage or a hard dollar amount. And that's twofold. One is to say thank you for your service. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, But two, also to encourage them. And I believe that in the U.S., are out of our population, 7% are veterans. And yet in franchises, 14% of franchise owners are veterans. Oh, wow. Um, so again, not every veteran feels comfortable in the civilian world and they want to, to have their own business and right. like to run it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, so that's that's, that's, benefit. yeah, that, that number of 14% is not, it's surprising to me, but I understand it because military service, the underpinning of military service, aside from supporting, you know, prote- you know, fighting for your nation, protecting our freedoms, et cetera, which is all fantastic. I'm a big supporter of, but the underpinning of it is their structure. And franchises yeah. have that built-in structure. Yeah. So it's a real there, natural natural fit. Yeah. There was one person I worked with who was a sergeant major. And he said when he went to his discovery day, one of the last steps in the process, and there were a lot of people there, and they introduced him and gave him this military background. And the franchise company said they had just changed the amount that they were giving as a discount, and they had just upped it to $10,000 off the franchise fee. And he said everybody, when they when he was introduced, he got a standing ovation. They were so appreciative and wanted to wow. thank him for his service. So, yeah. again, they recognized that. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, listen, I've enjoyed our time together here. I mean, you know, my my team at Cast Ahead, which if you're into podcasting and looking for a great team to have around you, um, can't really get any other better team than that. So Chris and his team, all their stuff is in here. When this, when you came across the desk, I'm like, you know what? That's going to be an interesting topic. I really like the topic, but I bet you we'll have a great conversation. And that we did. So thank you. Thank you very much, Jeff, for your your questions, your insights. I should mention, excuse me, since you had just talked about uh, funding, I should mention that my services are completely free. We are paid by the franchise companies for the education, the pre-screening that we offer, the matching that we offer. Um, So many times people will chat with me, we'll have a conversation. I like to be a resource. I work with a lot of uh, people in career transition who are exploring, and that is perfectly fine. Yeah. And to get a hold of you, it's Diane Ploys, and that's P L E U S S. So, dianeploys.com. We've had that on the screen. It's in our show notes. So, if you're listening, just go to the episode show notes, check it out. If you can make a connection with Diane, that'd be awesome. I'd love to have that be a result of your time, Diane, being here on our show. Um, that'd be great. So Thank you. And you get, also, yeah. if anyone wants to have a conversation, they can go to quickchatwithdiane.com and schedule. And that way you oh. avoid my, my crazy last name <laughs> that no one can spell and no one can pronounce. I'm also yeah. on LinkedIn as Diane Ploys, the franchise fitcher. And I have put in LinkedIn in the text common misspelling so that you don't have to quite remember and hopefully you can put in something that's oh, close that's to smart. me. <laughs> that's a smart little tip. I like that. Yeah. I I, I chose the domain thejeffg.com because I Very just, smart. Let's just skip the whole conversation around Janakovo and just Jeff G works good. So very good. But that's it. Yeah. Diane, uh, dianeploys.com or chatwithdiane.com. Also very smart. And a quick little LinkedIn tip. If you have one of those names uh, that people might misspell. So you said you put it right in your, uh, in your little bio there up it, at the top. In, in my profile on LinkedIn, yeah. I have common misspellings and I have the last name that's with great. one S. I have it spelled U E instead of E U. I have Diane with two N's instead of one. 
So, Jeff, you could probably have a whole paragraph of common misspellings <laughs> for your last name. <laughs> yeah, I could. I could. That's a very smart little tactic. Uh, great way to wrap up our time. Diane, this was a joy. I really had fun with you uh, on the show. Thanks for uh, giving so much great information to my listeners. Really appreciated it. So thanks for being on the show. Well, it was my pleasure. And if I can be a resource or help to anyone, please let me know. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for uh, sitting with Diane and I this week. We'll see you next week on The Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own big ticket life. And now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition into a market of one so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.